with tonight's guest, speaker, entrepreneur, and author of Billion, Shaheen Cheyenne. And musical guest, Will and Hallie. I am Mark Leisure, and now our host, the MC, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. I have been so looking forward to this uh, conversation today, to meeting this guest on the show. Uh, it, never in the history of Life Changes has a, a guest come through to us that has been recommended by not only a handful of other guests that we've had, but guests who we hold in very high regard. Uh, for example, Chris Voss, author of Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as If Your Life Depends on It. You all might remember it. If not, that's a great show to go listen to with Chris Voss. He says Shaheen embodies empathy and he demonstrates it in his approach to life, allowing both sides to experience a true win-win a technique shown through several examples in his book. I look forward to, to a conversation on that. Nolan Bushnell, what a great interview that was on the Life Changes show, founder of Atari and best-selling author of Finding the Next Steve Jobs. He says in Billion, Shaheen's book, Shaheen highlights the path to radical innovation through his innovator's journey and the many lessons we can all learn in the process. Now, I'm only going to mention one more, and that's Dear Jay Samet, best-selling author of Disrupt You and Future Proofing You. Uh, actually, also special that we all had to, we got to interview all these people in person back when we were in studio before the share at home time. And hopefully we will be again and get to meet Shaheen in person someday. But he says... Jay Samet says Shaheen Cheyenne has packed billion with valuable business and life lessons every entrepreneur can learn uh, can learn from without having to deal with drug dealers, the Yakuza, or the feds. I am Filippo Voltaggio. This is our at-home edition of the Life Changes Show, and our guest today is entrepreneur, speaker, author of Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult, and so much more. Welcome, Shaheen Cheyenne, to the show. Filippo, honored to be on. I think I finally have met my match, a podcast radio show host with a name more difficult than my own. Oh, no. How did I? Did I pronounce your name okay? No, you pronounced it perfectly. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to say... So uh, we haven't had the pleasure of meeting in person yet, but I got the visual. See, because Shaheen made his first millions, I think at 15, he'll tell us in a little bit. But I, I get the picture like, like you in front of the whole world um, did your thing, like, like kids used to do in class. And the whole class laughed. And there was this moment of levity and like this kid that did a great thing. And then the teacher pulls this kid in front of the class and says, see what you did? Are you happy now? Are you happy now? And the answer is yes. Or, or you tell me, what's the answer? See what you did? The answer is heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, of what's course. the problem, Teach? <laughs> That's um, the thing. I Look, I came up in the 80s. And in the 80s, we didn't have any of this woke culture, 
any of the stuff that we had now. I mean, I was bullied from the get-go. We came to Uh, America as refugees from uh, Iran during Iran-Contra. And I would get my you-know-what handed to me every single day, and I'd go crying to the teachers being like, oh, I can't believe, you know, this guy beat me up today. And when I say beat up, I mean, there was always blood involved. And Mm. they'd be like, well, what'd you do? Mm. Go sit down. And that was the usual course of things in the 80s. And Mm. I'm not saying it as, you know, like, I have a, a victim mentality. I'm saying it in that I feel that that was one of the big contributing factors to me building the grit that allowed me to have the success that I did in life. Mm. You had to, sounds like from what you're sharing, and, and I'm sure we only know one millionth of it, uh, you had to endure a lot as a kid. So that must have helped you endure a lot when so many were, I mean, and give us the mafia, the feds, drug dealers, and the pharmaceutical companies. That's all. <laughs> I'm just checking in to see which one of my friends you talked to. Chris Voss, <laughs> the FBI negotiator, Nolan, uh, the founder of Atari. Right. It's, it's awesome that you've, I, I actually did not know that you guys had interviewed all of them. All of them. And, you know, those are giants that I, you know, stand on the shoulders of because those guys have lived exceptional lives. Nolan, who I'm sure you know, was the first guy to hire Steve Jobs working yes. in his basement where, you know, Nolan Bushnell, the founder of Atari and Chuck E. Cheese's. And Nolan tells the story always of when Steve Jobs and, and Wozniak came up to him and they said, dude, you know, we've got this idea for this company. It's going to be called Apple. We just need like 50K. You'll have 50% of the company. And mm. Nolan told them to go <laughs> F off. You know, he said, That'll never but personal computing is not where I'm at. I'm at gaming. Meet me at gaming, guys. Because he was doing Pong at the time, right? He was doing Pong at the time. But this is a guy who similarly, similar to Steve Jobs, is is an absolute visionary, an Sorry. absolute giant in the way that he thinks spending any time around people like Nolan or or Chris or or Jay these are guys that have achieved great things in their lives and they all have that similar grit these are all people that have had rough and tumble lives at some point and have persevered to rise up to the highest levels of success and I'm honored to to even be mentioned in the same sentence as those guys. So uh, I, I have a feeling either you're avoiding or we'll have to come back to the drug dealers and the pharmacists. Oh, my but- friend, I don't I do not avoid. <laughs> Nothing is off topic. So if you want me to tell you the Yakuza story, if you and I appreciate you reading my book, I oftentimes do interviews and they just like the concept and they they don't actually dig in. So I, I like the fact that you've done your research and dug in. So there was a point now, mind you, let's let's can I roll back just a little bit? Sure. Take right. us back. I'm 15 years old. I had been sleeping in abandoned buildings and on the beach. Yeah. I had no money to my name. I managed to convince people to give me a bunch of different herbs. I was involved in the electronic rave music scene at the time, left home at 15, no friends, no family, nothing, just on my own. And I somehow 
managed to get myself a girlfriend. Don't ask me how this worked out. Not only that, I managed to convince her to allow me to cook up prototypes of pills in her kitchen while her father, who was like some superintendent for some school district, was out at work. So I would sneak in through the back as that guy drove off in his car to go to work, cooking up the formula for what was to become herbal ecstasy in her kitchen. And one day I ended up at a rave, toe-to-toe with one of the biggest drug dealers at the time. Now, mind you, this is what had happened in those days. Ecstasy was very popular in the 80s. It had become huge designer drug. It was the first major designer drug to sweep the country. But it had been banned sometime around 83. And you know, then again, it was legalized sometime around 87 and then banned quickly then again. And this is the early 90s. This stuff was being produced in Europe, and the supply had dried up. I was at the right place at the right time. You want to talk about synchronicity? I was doing things right for once in my life. And yours was legal. And mine was legal. And I walked up to this guy. Now, in the 80s, tattoos on your face and your neck meant something very different. Mm. Now, if you have tattoos on your face and neck, they call you Post Malone and you get a platinum record. (laughs) In the 80s, it was a completely different Mm. story. And this guy even had the three little tear things, which I think meant he killed somebody in jail or was so he did something really fucking bad. Oops, right. excuse me. Effing bad. You guys can believe me, I think. Um, and I was toe to toe with this guy and I looked at him and I said, dude, you got to sell my pills. And he said, what are you talking about? Is this stuff legal? And I said, yeah, absolutely legal. He said, then I'm not interested. He says, you know what I do? I'm a drug dealer. I deal drugs. I said, I understand that, but you're going to go out of business. And in that moment, two people walked up to him. And he knew that he needed to make a change because otherwise he wouldn't be making any money that night. He grabbed the bag of pills, sold them all out within the next two hours. And I found myself in front of him again, sweating bullets, thinking to myself, holy, you know what? What's going to happen? Is this guy going to kill me? Is he going to buy my product? Turns out, He loved it, and so did everybody else because it worked. And what happened was it went from one guy to two guys. I realized that, hey, there's something here. There's some meat on these bones. This is a distribution network that is untapped and out of supply. And I fostered relationships with drug dealers all over the world, and they legitimized themselves. Turns out, none of them were really happy doing the work they were doing outside of the money. They hated ending up in and out of jail. They bought franchises from me. They bought territories just like they did with real drugs. And it turns out that they became excellent distributors. And nobody messed with them. <laughs> wow. Very wow. few problems. And it was epic. And they were so grateful because I had legitimized them. They could now take their money and use it any way that they wanted to. They wouldn't end up in jail. They could build Mm. businesses for themselves. And we went mainstream. We went from... A true win-win-win. Win-win-win-win, my friend. And from there, we went on to brick and mortar. We were in 30,000 stores. Larry Flint became one of our big customers selling to sex stores all across the country. Larry Flint, the publisher of Hustler, the yeah. one of the oldest pornographers, weird, weird dude, but ended up buying millions of dollars worth of pills from us. 
And we made deals with Urban Outfitters, with 7-Eleven, with General Nutrition Centers, GNC, Tower Records, Warehouse Records, New Age bookstores at the time. I know you're in L.A. I don't know if you remember the Bodhi Tree bookstore. Oh, yeah. One of, one of the greats of L.A., they were carrying it. I mean, we were keeping a lot of these fledgling businesses around. We were keeping them in business because business was bad for people were getting out of books. People weren't really going to going to do a lot of the stuff that they were doing. And we were keeping these businesses alive because our product was the only thing that was selling regardless of market conditions. And one day I ended up in my office. We had broken a billion dollars in revenue. Sam Donaldson was outside in a limousine waiting to interview me for Nightline. We had had two Newsweek covers, cover of Details magazine. LA Times, New York Times, paparazzi everywhere. I had a collection of exotic cars, Ferraris, Porsches, the whole thing. I had watercraft boats, you know, was flying on private planes. And a man shows up to my office, a mysterious man. I would like to tell you what he looked like, but you would not believe me. Mm. And he had a duffel bag with a million dollars in cash and an invite to go to Tokyo. No indication of who it is or what it was for, but it was a private plane, everything first class. I said, okay, let's go. Wow. Foolish decisions in those days. Wow. <laughs> Flew out. Turns out, turns out that the Yakuza was very keen on taking over my business. Now, of course, I was willing to give them distributorship through one of their companies for a single product, but they had plans for the whole company and mm. a, a really rough evening of negotiations ensued where I wasn't sure if I was going to make it out mm. of that little Ryokan. And I used all the lessons of negotiation and influence that I had learned throughout the years to wiggle my way out of there safely and alive and with a, apparently a several pound gold cat in my briefcase my bag uh, uh, a cat made out of gold is that what you're saying cat made out of gold my friend oh, did, did you put it in the bag or somebody put it there <laughs> well it, there there was a, a fairly rough negotiation that ensued and i was handed a bag now mind you the majority of the time i was keeping quiet as was the custom with everybody else because we were in this room. Things were very tense. We actually had the, the ladies walking around giving tea. And all the guys around me were smoking, chain-smoking cigarettes. And the majority of them had one or more fingers missing, tattoos oh. everywhere. And there was no getting out of the situation that I was in. Oh. And there was a negotiation taking place. My Japanese partner was there. He was probably peeing himself, if I remember correctly, a ghost-faced. I, I think he couldn't get out a word in any language in the moment where he realized what was going on and that I wasn't exactly going to play ball. And as it turns out, at the end of it, we somehow won the negotiation. I write about it in my book. And I was handed a bag with something heavy in it. Now, I did not know if this was somebody's head, a foot. <laughs> Uh, how I was going to end the rest of my days if they were going to put me in the bag. Turns out there was a gold cat in there, one of the ones that waves. It didn't wave, but it was a gold cat. I mean, a sizable thing, probably worth several hundreds of thousands of dollars and a bunch of cash, and that was it. You know, there were no written contracts. The written contract was they would let me exist. 
So I, I, I was going to ask you before you started to tell this story, did, did some of this go to your head and you just answered it in that story? I mean, I think saying yes to going to Tokyo, you were invincible is, is maybe what was going through your head. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Shaheen. What, what could go wrong? I'm the king of the cult pill. That's a really good way to put it. And I, I, I thank you for, I, I see why you have a talent of putting things into perspective. The fact is I never lived in my head. And even to this day, I don't live in my head. I think that's the biggest BS ever. I always followed my true gut. Now I verified, I made sure that the decisions I was making made sense to whatever I felt at that time was my highest good, which may have been flawed. But I tried to stay out of my head. And I think ultimately that was the secret sauce to my success was I didn't listen to any of the naysayers. Look, I was a 15-year-old kid that invented a magic pill, a freaking drug that swept the world and made over a billion dollars in revenue in my teens before the internet with no college education, before mobile phones, before any of this stuff. Before I could not Amazon. afford to be in my head. Yeah, before Amazon. Now I'm selling on Amazon and I teach people how to sell on Amazon to do what I do. But back then, we didn't have any of that stuff. I had to figure out distribution. I had to figure out how to sell things, how to get eyeballs, how to get attention, how to deal with the press. These were not things that were taught to me. But the fact was, I had that part of my brain shut off. It didn't matter. It would not serve me well. I, I guess what I'm saying is I lived more in my heart than in my head. So was it your heart that said not to debate you? I'm just curious. So at 15, did you say, because you knew you were doing something that your girlfriend's father wouldn't uh, approve of potentially. And I don't think it was just because you were dirtying up the, the kitchen. Uh, that, that, so were, did you know you were creating a drug to match the illegal drugs and you were, this wasn't for you? You were planning on selling this and making a lot of money? Oh, God, I didn't do drugs until much, much later. Yeah, that, <laughs> okay. that was definitely something that I wasn't into. I didn't even smoke cannabis until much, much later. I mean, I still don't smoke cannabis. I mean, I've probably had it a couple of handfuls of times. I, I had to stay awake and alert. I was busy making money and running an empire. I had no time for that kind of tomfoolery. So you were definitely doing this for other people and to make money I was doing it to make an impact. I was doing it to do what Walter Isaacson, the great author, wrote in his book about Steve Jobs. I wanted to put my dent in the universe. I wanted to do mm. something that impacted change. And this was an area that was completely untouched. Similarly, after I did all the herbal ecstasy stuff. I invented the first digital vaporizer. That was the first vaporizer company to go public. It was the forerunner to all the vapes and all that technology that you see today. And there was nothing like it before. There was no vape. There was no alternative. And I remember thinking to myself, man, you know, for 5,000 years, we've had people smoking stuff, creating smoke, tar, and carbon monoxide. Nobody's freaking figured out a better way. Really? Is there a way we can inhale plant substances without getting all the carcinogenic elements? Mm -hmm. And turns out that if you heat it up to the point 
where it releases all its active elements, the THC, the cannabinoids, the nicotine, whatever it is that you're doing, but not to the point where it combusts, you're doing pretty good. Only thing is you got to figure out how to regulate that temperature. And that's what I did when I invented Vapir. So how does this correlate with uh, drawing people's aspiration, hopes, and dreams out? Uh, I, I, from the examples you gave, I could see where you could do it on an individual level. But now I, I, I have a feeling that you're teaching people this whereby they can do this on Amazon with products of their own or products they invent, et cetera, right? Yeah, so now I teach and train people how not to sell their friggin' hours, how to get out of the worst habit that people trying to get out of a rut are in, and that's selling your hours for money. It's a fool's game. What I do now is I try to inspire and impact people by teaching them how to start these businesses that are backed by one of the world's greatest e-commerce sellers, probably the greatest e-commerce sellers in the world. Most people don't know that you can have a piece of Jeff Bezos's fortune. You can go out there for free for zero dollars and start an Amazon seller account and sell whatever you please on Amazon. Now to do it intelligently requires a little bit of work. And by the way, I have a one hour course. that's normally 200 bucks. I'll offer it to all of your listeners for free. So anybody from the show that reaches out, I'll give them the one hour course for free. Let's see if we can get a thousand people inspired to start Amazon businesses so they can create their own predictable revenue streams. If I could do that, my job is well done. Well, so people can reach out at fbasellercourse.com. Is that it? Yeah, that's right. Or you guys can email me if anybody wants to write it down. Just email me directly at darkzess at gmail.com. That's D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. I answer all emails. I get to email zero every day. And I will get back to your go to fbasellercourse.com or shaheenshayan.com. We'll include the URLs in the show notes. And I'm well, sure on the Life Changes website as well. We are, indeed, we are going to, that's at lifechangesshow.com. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to be right back for a few more minutes, hopefully a little more than that, but with uh, Shaheen Cheyenne. The book is Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. Uh, I'm sure it's on Amazon and, yep. and everywhere else where books are sold. But of course, as uh, Shaheen mentioned at his website, Shaheen, S-H-A-A-H-I-N-C-H-E-Y-E-N-E.com and at FBASellerCourse.com. And thank you for that offer. Yes, we also have other links for his Instagram, etc., uh, actually, before we go on a break, uh, do you want to give out uh, your podcast information? Yeah, totally. For any of you guys that are interested in creating recurring revenue streams, if you're interested in hacks, 
We teach people how to hack. What's a hack? A hack is an unconventional workaround to a problem that may be difficult for people to solve. Check out our show. It's Hack and Grow Rich, and you can listen to it on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. And by the way, my book, Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult, is also on all those channels. And the first audio chapter is free on Audible and uh, Spotify. Our guest went from sleeping in his car to building a multi-million dollar empire that spanned the globe. And now he is still at it, teaching people very many interesting things. And I say interesting things because uh, in the book Billion, certainly it's an exciting story. And I actually haven't read it all, so please don't spoil the ending for me. Actually, it doesn't seem like there is an ending. And that's the point, isn't it, actually? Well, that's a good question. You know, and that was one of the problems we had because I I just signed a movie deal with a great Hollywood production team and they're going to make it a major motion picture. We're very excited about that. And the problem is they're all asking, all right, so where does it end? Is it Wolf of Wall Street? Is it Fear and Loathing in Las mm. Vegas? Is it Wolf of Wall Street meets Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's all that stuff. They're like, great, so tell us about the crash. And I'm like, well, I didn't exactly crash. I'm now inspiring people to make money on Amazon. Well, oh, did you go to jail? Nope, didn't do that part. My stuff was legal. Oh, okay, they're missing that part of the story arc. But I think they're going to do it. I think it's going to go very well. We had some really interesting moments of tension, some really great story arcs. And at the end of the day, I think the story goes on. And I think I took what I learned from there. I made millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, and I lost hundreds of millions of dollars. But now I'm at a place where I travel. I'm a family guy. I've got a beautiful wife and son. And we travel the world and doing what we love, selling products on Amazon and inspiring others to do the same. You know, it's interesting that you you say that about uh, the crash, the drama that people are looking for. I, you know, if you were teased like you were, and and if blood was always involved as you were uh, beaten up as you were, I, I I think about years that I was teased in school, like every day, several times a day. As a child, those are long days. Those are long days, that's a long life. And we don't always have the tools to deal with that. Now, people have drama that goes on as adults and we say, oh, that's major. But you know, maybe you went through the major stuff, like more major than some people go through in their life, except that we over-dramatize or we, we romanticize the adults because, oh, look what happened to them. But gosh, till you're 15 or what have you, every single day or as often as it happened, that's a lot. Yeah, buddy, look, you can take your shots, call yourself a victim, and fall into that victim mentality, or you can reach down, grab your balls, get up, and <laughs> fight. You can do that. You can do that. You have a set of balls for a reason. So you can get up, and you can fight. You can swing. You might get knocked down again, and I did over and over again until one day I didn't anymore. But you learn. You become tougher. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it's that grit, that resilience, that ability to create this thick skin that makes you invincible. It's what made our ancestors invincible. You look at 
ancient traditions. You look at people like the Vikings. Those dudes didn't like take any crap. You know, they they wanted to die with their boots on, swords drawn. They had no fear. And that's ultimately what you want to cultivate. And you can't cultivate that in a very safe, comfy thing. If somebody calls you something and your your word for yourself is something different and all of a sudden you melt because you thought you were special like a snowflake, the world doesn't work that way. <laughs> you can create bubbles that work that way, but it's not going to make you stronger. It's not going to make you more resilient. And we're not going to change the world, change the planet, impact people around us, create great stuff and great stories by falling into that narrative. What you do is you pick yourself up, you say, good shot, let's go again. Or you pick yourself up and you say, is that all you have? Really? Okay, so uh, before we get into the last question, which would be about uh, a couple things that we could focus on, actually, that's something we could focus on right there. Words of wisdom from Cheyenne, uh, Cheyenne. and. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, heard you say in an interview uh, that uh, no, actually, it was on your podcast. You said um, that uh, y you're gonna you like making money quietly now, or something like that. Uh, you know, not like like boasting or uh, showing it off, right? And and you said it's it's better that way. Why? Well, back in the ecstasy days, when I started my first company and I started Herbal Ecstasy, I was very loud and very aggressive and very public about how I did things. And that was great, but I will give you a quote that I use in my book that I think is very important for this particular moment in time. And I teach this to my students as well. While you are sleeping, your enemies are planning your demise. This goes contradictory to all the politically correct stuff that we hear, and everybody's out to help you and blah, blah, blah. It's not that way. Mm -hmm. The world is predatory. All you got to do is look at nature. Mm -hmm. Things don't work the way that we always want them to. So making money, and I make a lot more now that I get to keep than I did back then because I was burning through hundreds of millions of dollars, is mainly due to the fact that I don't publicize everything that I do, that I'm quieter about the things that I do. And the real people, the guys that are making the billions and billions of dollars, don't always end up on the Forbes top 10, top 100 list. The ones we hear about are a tiny fraction of the wealth that's out there. And the wealth that you can't see is wealth that others can't go after. And it's so fun to enjoy and so fun to spend and so fun to be wealthy and for it to be quieter. But the thing is, Filippo, we don't live in that kind of a society. We live in the Instagram society where everybody wants the five second rich guy. And you look at this guy and he's like this good looking guy and he's got his like Lamborghinis and there's 20 girls in the background all in bikinis shooting machine guns. And it's just the shiny object. And I don't even know what they're selling. What are you selling, dude? He's selling you a course on how to get rich doing something. Has anybody gotten rich doing that? No. But people buy into it. Why? Because they're buying their lottery ticket. Their ability to say, well, I bought into the dream. I tried. It's an excuse. Oh. It's an excuse for the only hack that works. The only hack that works is hard work. 
The only hack that works is getting out there and failing, seeking failure and getting out there and, and really making a mess of things so that you learn and then slowly picking yourself up, dusting yourself off and doing it a little better each time until you no longer fail. And then what you have to do is you have to perfect it. You have to make sure that the sum total of the size of your successes outweigh the size of your failures. And then you're okay. And then you're winning in life. Speaking of failures, back at the movie real quick. Uh, so yes, if you had lost hundreds of million dollars of dollars after you made them and had made a complete mess of your life and hurt other people and taken people down, uh, because of whatever you want to call it, victimhood or woe is me hood, uh, then that would have made a better movie in Hollywood's eyes, right? Maybe. I don't know. I think they, they want, uh, yeah, of course, they want that story arc. If you look at Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort's story, really great movie. I love that movie. But there were a lot of crazy things that happened in his time. And then at the end of it, the guy goes to jail. So there's, um, there's a closure to the story. My story keeps going because I didn't do that stuff. I didn't abuse people. I didn't do illegal things. Most of my stuff was pretty sane as far as things go. I just broke the mold. People, I'm sure, said that what I did was impossible. You can't create a drug and put it out there in the world and not have every three-letter agency come after you. Well, they're partially right. Every three-letter agency did come after me, <laughs> but they had nothing to hang on to. We weren't drugs. We weren't the traditional supplements. We'd just broken the mold. They just didn't know what to do with us. They didn't know how to categorize us. That was their biggest problem at that time. Nice. And truly creating win-win-win-win-wins, as you said. Uh, so as we bring our time together, this time at least, uh, to a close, how to draw out people's aspirations, hopes, and dreams? Like, what's the the one thing on our way to a win for everybody, and definitely yourself as well, obviously? I'll, I'll give you two things, and these are, are both unique. I'm sure not many other personal development people have mentioned these. Number one, don't be an a-hole. Number two, be authentic. I was just on a sales show, someone who's a sales expert, and he said, well, what's the best way to sell something? I said, dude, just be authentic. Just be a real effing person. Go out there and be real. There is no secret. Like young guys ask me, oh, how do you get, how do you get girls? How do you get chicks? Whatever. You know, what should I say? Is there a script? You know, how do I make sales? How does this? There is no script. The script is be a real person. And if there isn't enough there, if you feel you are not interesting enough, you might be right. You might fall into the a-hole category, or you might not be in the a-hole category, but you can work on yourself. That's why it's called personal development. You can reflect. You can take time and put the effing phone down and look back and go, this is what's happened today. You can have a moment of silence and look back at your life. Look at the people around you and try to make yourself a more empathetic, a more sophisticated, a more whole, complete person that's self-reflective. And people will smell it on you. They will know that you are an authentic human being. You see some of the guys that are very successful online selling, people particularly in Gen Z and, and uh, Gen Y are very attracted to them. And you're like, what's attractive about this person? The person's just being authentic. It's a real person. 
there's a real person there and there aren't many. So you're looking at a human being that's authentic. People are attracted to that authenticity. And as Professor Caldini in his book, Persuasion, talks about, they're persuaded. All sales are made before the prospect ever gets to the sales floor. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, wow, I, I feel like I almost got a, a great meme quote from you, something like I was expecting, a, like, I, like, wow, if you'd only say, be authentic, don't fall into the a-hole category. Um, <laughs> don't fall into the a-hole, I like it. I'm trying to be radio friendly. I, I think this is the first <laughs> podcast I've done in a while where I haven't cursed. I let one, one F-bomb off, but that was an accident. I didn't intend to do that. Uh, anyway, I'm just kidding. That uh, I'm just playing with you, and and have had fun listening to you, learning from you, and I, I I I can see what everybody what the buzz is about, and and you're you're selling. Uh, let's see, you you just uh, exemplified what your last comment was all about, uh, where the sale is actually made. So thank you for for I'm sold. So I appreciate uh, that, Felipe. Thank you so much. The book is uh, on sale at Amazon and on a couple, many websites actually, but we'll give FBASellerCourse.com, which is actually where the course is. And uh, one more uh, shout out about that, Shaheen. Yeah, sure. Guys, look me up. Email me directly at darkzest, D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S -S, at gmail.com. Reach out to me any way that you want to. Go to shaheenshan.com or fbasellercourse.com and check out my book. Subscribe to Hack and Grow Rich on YouTube or anywhere. Make sure to like, dislike, hate us. Doesn't matter. As long as you're giving us some attention, we like it and uh, really appreciate it. If my story inspires you, if anything I've said has inspired you, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. The book is called Billion, and uh, Shaheen, you're, you're one in a billion, so thank you so much. Shaheen, Cheyenne, thank you for being with us. Look forward to getting to meet you someday. All the best. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Such an honor, Filippo. Bye-bye. Thank you.